welcome everyone to episode 2 of Not a Race from Not a Game Incorporated. Not a Race. I'm joined with uh Sean and Rohan Morjani. Welcome everyone. It's been a while since Back. we recorded our first episode on the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix, but F1 did a little spring break and so did we because So uh, we also took a break. Yeah. Yeah, we took a break as well. How's your so, spring break going? I'm asking you because you're in college. Oh, yeah, last year was good, man. Last year was good. Visited uh, the family, had a good time. Yeah, it was chill. But uh, now we're back. Souls F1 and uh, getting ready to get into the spin of things. So, since our last episode, we uh, we missed the Australia race. So I'll do a quick recap of the race. Um, on the first lap. Charles Leclerc Ferrari uh, spun on the on turn five, caused a uh, a bit of a scuffle in the in the grid. And the uh, first race, his car wasn't good either, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So reliability issues over there. Yeah, a ton of issues at Ferrari. Uh, you know, starting starting the race, uh, Max Verstappen was P1, and he ended up being P3. George and and Lewis of Mercedes are P1 and P2 uh going into um lap 7 there was a safety car and then George Russell pitted under the safety car he lost seven positions and then the race director uh uh called a red flag which stops all the action and everyone has to return to the pits and you're allowed to change your tires under the red flag so because he pitted during the race he dropped on the order and lost seven positions he got fucked So yeah. you said so for someone who doesn't know F1, I obviously know what this means, but for someone else who doesn't, can you explain what that means that like he pitted behind the guy and then he lost seven? Like how does that work? Yeah, so basically he was in first place. Um the safety uh the safety car came out. So because everyone's moving around the track slower during the safety car, um say on average you lose 23 seconds to go into the pits and uh change your tires and everything. Under the safety car, it's only a 15 Second, like net loss of time. Um, things everyone else is moving slower on the track, um, so it's pretty advantageous to pit during the safety car and just like get your tires done and all of that. Um, but it's still pretty early on in the race, so George took a gamble. Basically, he was I think started on soft tires, went to the hard tires on the safety car, and was like, I'm gonna make these hard tires last all the way to the end. Um, was his like thinking, and no one else took that gamble. Um, and then when the the race got uh fully red flagged and kind of just like fucked him over um because he didn't have to pit at all it's a good decision just tires so ultimately he lost the views on the hards which are slower than softs i mean under the red flag anyone can change their tires to whatever they want basically so it's not because of that it's because he pitted when no one else did oh okay. um, and he took that gamble thinking that the race wouldn't be red flagged got got yeah so After the red flag, everyone went to the pits anyway, and he went to the pits during the actual race. So he took that like extra gamble, like Rowan was was talking about. So he lost seven positions going out of the red flag, and he ended up retiring on lap 18 because of an engine fire on the start finish straight. So he really got yeah. double fucked. Yeah, and I don't uh, I don't know if you saw, but they basically took apart the engine and figured out what caused the fire, and it was a piece of debris. That flew into the engine during the race and lit it on fire. So there's nothing actually wrong with the engine. It was just kind of like unlucky that a piece of debris flew in. 
Yeah, speaking of debris, there was a lot of debris on lap 58 after Kevin Magnuson of Haas made contact with the with the wall. His right rear tire flew off of his car, and eventually, uh, after you know the debris was cleared off, there was another red flag. So this is the second red flag of the race on lap 57, which is the restart from the red flag. There was, I think, a total of five. There was five uh, cars involved in a crash. We had Signs, Carlos Signs, a Ferrari, Charles Leclerc's teammate, who spun and hit Fernando Alonso, and as a result, Signs got a major penalty, which we'll talk about in a second. And also, uh, Lance Stroll of Aston Martin, he uh, he spun, he outbraked himself, and he went into the gravel trap. And from going from fourth place, he went down to twelfth place, which resulted in another red flag. Um, We had like Alex Alonso. It like was a. Australia yeah. have a reputation for being a messy race, or this was just like particularly like a weird one that happened. Yeah, this was a pretty weird one. Um, there's a lot of uh, criticism of the FIA after this race, just because they put in all these red flags and stop starts and all of that to try to create more like drama, basically. Where like in. And this, this gets into a lot of detail that we don't need to get into on in this pod, maybe in a future pod. But basically, they're trying to increase the ratings, increase the action, and all of that stuff in the past couple of years. So if you put the same situation maybe like five years ago, um, the race would have just ended under a safety car. But they tried to do all these restarts that got towards the end that caused a lot of action and mess and chaos um, to increase the drama. For lack yeah, of a better word. I mean, they had three red flags in a race, which is pretty unprecedented, and. Because of that, the, the the last lap of the race, when they crossed the finish line, was on a rolling start, which basically means everyone was going like 80 miles per hour, like just like one by one in the position that the red flag was called. So they didn't even race at the finish line, and Max ended up winning the race. He had like a pretty like advantageous um, like margin between first and second. I think it was 12 seconds. Uh, before the the second red flag, so the top three was Max of uh, uh, Red Bull, Lewis Hamilton from from Mercedes, and Fernando Alonso from from Aston Martin. Signs got P12. McLaren boys finishing the points. Um, so yeah, a lot of you know a lot of mix up in the grid. We got you know a few Hosses getting some points. Uh, Who's the guy I picked? Who's the guy I picked last episode to be good? They do Nico well. Hulkenberg. <laughs> yeah, how did Hulkenberg? <laughs> He got what is this? Eight. He got P eight. Wow, my God, it's pretty good. You <laughs> you picked him to do well in a different race, not this race, though. Ah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, that was pretty much the just like a quick recap on Australia. We'll go into some 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 other F one news that's gonna happen in between, you know, Australia and and Baku, which is coming up. So for I'll give it to Rohan, who's gonna talk about the Mercedes stuff. Okay, hello. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Ron, you want to talk to us about what's going on in the Mercedes world? Uh, yeah. I can definitely speak to that. Um, so, uh, Mercedes during their dominant era um, had this guy uh, James Allison as their technical director, um, and post that era, uh, kind of like last year when the the regulations changed um, in developing that car. Um, Mike Elliott, who was one of the other technical team members, but not the lead technical guy uh, for Mercedes, stepped into that role, and James Elliott 
uh, James Allison stepped into the CTO role of uh, Patronus Motorsport. Um, so he was doing things like they could have like sailing teams and like esports and uh, Formula E and all of these other things. And he was like kind of like not super involved in the F1 car, but kind of like doing all this other technical stuff with all the other sports that they're involved in. Um, and so basically over this spring break Mercedes has, has admitted that like their concept and their design uh, of the car was wrong um, they would need to change concept um, they're really gunning to bring a lot of upgrades to the Imola Grand Prix um, in a couple of weeks um, and so they did a switcheroo and brought uh, James back into the technical director role um, and then Mike Elliott got uh, the CTO role um, and they're having James Allison, who was responsible for all of the Mercedes championship winning cars, basically uh, take that role back, uh, help guide this car, hopefully to victory and some points and some championships. Um, and I don't know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the talk around Mercedes, uh, George Russell particularly saying um, that they found more performance gains in the last two weeks than they did all of the winter break. Um, sound promising so uh, I'm excited to see what comes out of Imola and uh, the rest of the season after that yeah so for for reference real quick uh, Rowan mentioned Imola so a lot of big teams are bringing major upgrade packages to Imola while you know some teams are bringing minor improvements to, to races like Azerbaijan and Miami Imola is definitely the race to look for when you see dramatic changes across the grid so for example uh, McLaren and Mercedes are probably the two biggest teams that are bringing upgrades to Imola. So, Roland, you said that Mercedes said that they admitted that their car this year wasn't good enough or whatever. Lewis finished second yeah. in Australia. Is that just because of all the red flags and shit? Or, like, their car did finish second? No. Like, yeah. Their car truly did finish second. It was the second best car at the race. Um, but, basically, like, there's tracks that lean very heavily on the front axle of the car and then there's tracks that lean very heavily on the rear axle and those tracks that are like balanced kind of um so part of what Mercedes and I'm assuming that's based on the amount of like turns and shit like how quick the turns are and, and stuff the, yeah how quick the turns are the angles of the turns and all of that stuff um so what one of the things that Mercedes probably did wrong with the car that I think they'll end up changing is their driver position sits higher like closer to the front than any other team does in their car um which gives them the advantage in certain tracks like australia um but in other tracks um like um the first race of the year basically they were like the third fastest car essentially um because that track wasn't really suited to their strengths of, of that car that and i'm assuming have. sitting closer you have more control of the front of the car right so like you're turning quicker like more so like the yeah, center of gravity also yeah so you're like yeah. staying grounded yeah physics yeah exactly exactly a lot of physics very very oh. scientific sport um some other you know news across the grid uh, Ferrari is bringing some some minor upgrades. They have a new rear wing for for Baku, so let's see if you know gives them that extra few miles per hour on the DRS straights. I think Baku is one of the longest DRS straights on the calendar, so that should be pretty interesting. Also, Baku's Ferrari in Azerbaijan, right? Yeah, Baku is the capital, yeah. I think. See, there's some geography for your boys. See, yeah. Also, Ferrari is quote unquote undergoing a internal team overhaul. 
I really don't know what that means, but apparently, like, their strategy has been super garbage this year, and their their kind of direction which they're going in is not, you know, what Fred Vassar, their team principal, wants to do, so he's looking to bring some new people in, and similar with McLaren, also undergoing similar changes. Um, right now, McLaren is one of the worst teams on the grid. Uh, they're looking to get back to, you know, being uh, historic champions, and uh, Zach Brown is, is very adamant on doing that sometime in the near future and he's also you know looking to bring the right people in so let's see what happens and lastly before we get into our predictions for for Azerbaijan uh, Alpine is a team that's bringing some major upgrades to, to Baku I think one of the only teams um, their technical director said that they see up to six tenths of a second improvement which in F1 is pretty pretty major that fi- that brings them like fighting with, with like Ferrari and, and Mercedes don't you think um, I think so. Um, I mean, definitely for with Ferrari, um, Mercedes has definitely been the second, third best team this year. Um, so maybe not Mercedes yet, but they'll definitely be close. Um, and if they have that like higher top speed, which I think was one of their strengths last season, um, and they could you know take advantage of the long DRS straights, for example, in Baku, um, that long, the long straight, not just the DRS straight, but the long straight. Um, they could definitely, you know, challenge um, the top top teams minus Red Bull. For sure. So, speaking of... Oh, Sean, you want to say something? No, I mean, I don't have an opinion on that. I was more so just going to go back on the Ferrari point that you're making. Like, I'm more curious to hear your guys' thoughts on, like, you were saying that, like, yeah, they're trying to make overhauls at the team level and the strategy is the issue. Like, maybe, I don't know if you can quantify this, but, like, how... How would you weigh the importance of like the strategy versus just like the actual car and like the mechanics and the physics and the engine like you know the pieces in the car like we're not talking even about drivers here just like strategy versus just like the car can like up the best strategist beat like a shittier car and a shittier strategy um i think it depends like if say for example ferrari nailed the strategy um and had an absolutely perfect race though their car isn't like top tier i think so far this season they're the fourth best car probably um and they might be able to you know get a second second best finish but the gap isn't like enough with nailing strategy perfectly to get them to like be even close to what the red bull is right now because they're so far ahead of everybody yeah and in terms of like the actual internal overhaul like i'm sure ferrari is going to 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 look to to find people to change like the direction in which their car is going and bring people in you know who can actually like provide uh valuable insight in terms of upgrades to their car which is something that um that carlos sides has spoken about previously so so now let's let's talk about the race that's this weekend on on friday saturday and sunday we're going to azerbaijan i think this is personally one of my favorite races especially like the little castle section it's a street race and these guys literally have to like drive around a part of a castle and the width the width of the track of that section is like i don't even know it's like very very narrow so you see like a lot of stupid crashes in that section so really excited for this race it's a street race so some some action to be expected um there's a a lot of tight turns not wide roads um and then the long straight too which provides for some good overtaking chances Yep. Is this like and a historic track? Like, I guess like my question is like Azerbaijan and all these like or like whatever these races are on the F1 circuit. Like, 
are these just like historic tracks that have been the case from inception that have just like continued or like how did they choose like an Azerbaijan? I guess like how much money, <laughs> how much money like yeah. the city of okay. like Baku is willing to, to put it. I don't know how long Baku has been on the calendar, but like races like uh, Monza in Italy, Silverstone in in, London, in the UK, um, like Spa Francorchamps in Belgium, like all these like like these races are very very historic races and even Australia is pretty like one of the more historic ones I, I would say but like Miami for example and Baku I would say is what and even uh, Bahrain the season opener are like pretty new new got it got it I mean even yeah. Vegas and a lot of new ones yeah Vegas yeah and a lot year. of the, the tracks that have been around for a while they'll agree to like a 10 year contract with F1 to like host it and uh, whatever they pay F1 for the rights and all of that stuff so there's been cases where like Monaco for example might not get renewed for next year or something is the rumor even though it's like, the most historic track in F1 and things like that wow because Monaco is like Monaco is not a very interesting track from the viewer's perspective there's not yeah. a lot of overtakes it's pretty slow but like for those fans who go like in person that's one of the marquee races like you go sit on a yacht by the water watch the F1 cars go by that's one of the races that you want to go to in person but for those of us that are just watching from home it's not a very interesting race but uh, I want to talk about this new race structure that's happening in Azerbaijan I honestly don't I, Rohan sent it in our group chat and I didn't really bother to read it but, but Rohan do you mind explaining to us what the, what the new weekend is going to look like yeah so Basically, on Friday, um, there's going to be uh, one practice in the morning, um, and then afterwards, after practice, um, there's going to be a um, a qualifying, and the, that qualifying is going to be for the Grand Prix on Sunday, and then Saturday, um, there's going to be a sprint shootout. Um, so in the morning, there's going to be quali- a shorter qualifying for the sprint shootout, and then the sprint shootout, um, and then you'll have the Grand Prix on Sunday. Um, so there's basically just one practice and like one chance for the teams to like nail their setup uh, prior to the sprint qualifying. So, so what I is like the before, point of? Yeah, before the qualifiers would determine your placing of starting on the actual pre on Sunday. So how does that change yeah. now? What is the sprint giving? So there's still. So the whole point, the, yeah. So basically, this new, what F1 is trying to do, and this is again what we were saying, going back to Australia, is they're trying to increase entertainment for the viewers. So I think one of the executives of F1 over spring break was quoted saying, like, um, if I could do away with practice, I would. Even though practice is like crucial to the teams for them to figure out their setup, they, the F1 executives, more so care about like viewership and ratings because. Besides, like, hardcore fans like myself, no one who, like, I'll sit and watch all three practices and listen to everything and view car onboards and all of this, no one really watches the practices. And they want to get, like, casual fans like you um, to, like, watch more than just the actual race, basically. Yeah, the practices are just 60-minute sessions. The cars are allowed to do whatever they want. Then change their setups, change their tires, do whatever. Run long, run short, run one lap, you know. They're allowed to do whatever, and they only have an hour to do so. And on a normal weekend, they have three of these sessions. One qualifying session, and then the race. But now this new structure is you're only allowed one 60-minute practice session, then qualifying for the race 
on Friday than on Saturday where there were two practices previously. Then now you have the sprint qualifying and then the sprint race. So basically, yeah, yeah like Ron said, they're just trying to maximize entertainment for the fans. Yeah, so the sprint is basically like a shortened race. I think it's like one-fourth the number of laps than the actual race. So the thought is like every driver will start on soft tires, go like balls to the wall, racing as fast as they can, not caring about like preserving tires or anything for that whole uh, whole time and just try to like win because no one needs to do pit stops, no one needs to worry about strategy. Um, and so the winner of the sprint gets awarded like a certain amount of points so i think it's like eight points for first and then it goes down in the order um until we get to one point for eighth um and then ninth and later don't get any points so it's actual points on the scoreboard for the season as opposed to like placing for the actual race i don't know if i like that i don't think i like that i don't i think it's it's a lot of like like i think drivers are gonna just like like i said they're gonna go balls to the wall right it doesn't affect their race at all they're just yeah. trying to gonna try to get whatever points they can possibly salvage, um, and it's you know increased danger um, and like just like increased racing, um, which I guess like fits the point of trying to get people more interested in more than just the actual race. Um, but I think it's kind of stupid, also. I guess they're yeah, trying I mean, to make the Saturday a, like an event, right? As opposed to like a gear, yeah. like a lead up to the event. But I mean, like, in the previous structure, Saturday was an event. I think qualifying is probably maybe even more exciting than attending the actual race because these cars will go the fastest they can go on the Saturday of a, of a weekend. But another thing that I was thinking about is, like, this structure in the long term will, will eventually, like, increase the wear and, like, the durability, like, reduce the durability of teams like engine components and other components as such so you know maybe down the line when we see more of these you know weekend shockers we yeah. can talk a little bit more about the effects of uh the durability did i cut out there yeah 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 it's okay i'll cut all that part out but anyway let's go to our predictions let's go to our predictions for the weekend so um i want to i want us to predict three things uh let's talk about who's gonna get pole position on friday let's predict our top three Alright, four things. Let's predict our poll, our top three, our loser of the weekend, and the craziest thing that's going to happen. Rowan, we'll start off with you. Um, Alright, so top three, I think it's going to be Max. Um, I think it will be Checo, and I think it will be Fernando. Um, okay. That's who I think is going to, the kind of the finishing order. Um, I read in, I read something today, actually, that was like, if somehow both the Red Bulls DNF and Fernando gets first, he's the leader in the championship right now, which I'd love for that to happen. Um, but I just don't think that's realistic. The Red Bull car is just so reliable, so quick, so fast. Um, and especially uh, a, a track like this where it's so high speed with that long straight uh, that just plays right into their hands. Um, I think in terms of like craziest prediction, um, I think we'll definitely see some red flags and crashes this this year. I think um, I don't. I think in previous years, the past couple of years consecutively, there's always been some sort of crash, red flag, or incident um, that's like made the race pretty spicy towards the end. Um, and I think we'll we'll get something like that again. Um, Treco is the street circuit like king, um, so perhaps. Um, he, you know, pulls something out of his bag um, and nails this and, and can get the win. Um, but 
that's to be seen. So I, I have two predictions that I'm not going to follow your prompt, but I have two predictions. My first prediction is that Verstappen will not be in the top three. I think he's going to get into a little incident going around the castle and he's not going to be able to crack the top three. And then I have a prediction for the worst racer of the week. And I think it's going to be my guy. Uh, who's the guy who's dating Taylor Swift apparently? Fernando Alonso. <laughs> yeah, Fernando Alonso. I think this Taylor Swift news is is going to rattle his cage. I think he's spending too much time on Twitter and looking up his name on Google and shit. Um, Dude, he's he's pretty active on TikTok. I think he's going to have a pretty big TikTok race. guy. I think uh, he's actually going to be dating Taylor Swift and he's going to have a bad race. That's my prediction. All right, interesting, interesting shots from Sean. Interesting uh, take, I, dude. In terms of my prediction, I think Checo is going to win. He's the king of the street circuit, so I, th- I think he's going to beat his teammate Max. Um, I think Max is going to suffer some sort of strategy mishap. I don't know. I'm feeling some 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 folding I, from I can, the record. I can hear him cursing in Dutch on like those those calls. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think uh, Checo will finish first, um, and that's a result of Checo getting pole. I think Checo will be faster than Max on the on the circuit itself, and because of that, Red Bull are going to prioritize him because he's the lead uh, driver of the race. So I think Checo finishes first, Max finishes second, and I think uh, George will finish third. Uh, that's my prediction for the top three. In terms of the craziest thing to happen, I think we're going to see a McLaren double points. Um, let's see what happens. We we are bringing a small upgrade package, so let's see what happens. We we have like a new rear like suspension differential thing. I really don't know like how much it'll affect our performance, but we'll see what happens. And as for the worst driver, um, I don't know. I'm really not high on like Yuki Sonoda right now, so I definitely I think he's gonna be the worst driver of the of the race. I think he's gonna DNF. I think my game. guy Hulkenberg is going to have a race too, bro. Oh, you, you, where do you think he's going to place? Like in the top 10, top 5, where do you think he's going to place? Alright, so he came in 7th last race. I can see him. I think he's definitely going to improve. So, I'll, I'll say top 5. I'll be bold. Also, just remember that That's that P7 result was because of all like the red flags and the crazy stuff all that right, happened. Alright, maybe let's yeah. say top 7. Yeah, Alright, top 7. Alright, he'll be 6 top or 7. 6 yeah, or 7. Okay, yeah. interesting. Alright, well, maybe there you five. have it. Our, our predictions locking in for this weekend. Watch uh, watch the F1 Azerbaijan Grand Prix uh, to see you know if we were correct. Um, and what's the, the race following Azerbaijan is the following week? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a one week gap in between. Nice. And I think that's Miami. I think the race oh, after Miami. I will oh, be yeah. in town, but I will not be attending. But, uh, so yeah, this uh, concludes episode two of Not a Race. Thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure you know we're gonna have a. I'm gonna put a little question prompt, something to do with F1 yeah. on the Spotify thing. So if you scroll up and on the bottom where you see lyrics for for a song, is gonna be like a prompt there. Uh, we'd love for you to answer that, and maybe we'll respond to some on the not on the next episode of Not a Race. Yeah, so, we yeah. love engagement. We love engagement, guys. Ask us some questions. You want to join us? Join us. Let's talk some racing. Any any future topics you would like yeah. to discuss? Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. This has been Not A Race. I've been Rohan. They have been Sean and Rohan. And we'll see you for episode three. Peace.